The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. We are in the middle of Pledge Drive. 949-824-5824 is the number to pledge. A $35 pledge premium will help out the station quite a bit. Uh, We have already gone through our entire repair budget almost this year, and so uh, your call will really help. 949-824-5824. Uh, we get hand-me-downs in seconds, and so it's it's uh, very hard to keep the station going, but your contributions do help. 949-824-5824. Um, the, the money that we get from the university has been cut over the last few years because of the economic recession, and uh, so your calls even matter more. 949-824-5824. Please help support not just the Heather McCoy Show, but all the fine programming on KUCI. And so uh, Neil DeMoss joins us and we're for the second segment, and we're going to talk about Hurricane Sandy. He uh, is a Brooklyn resident. And so uh, just to give us some context, has the New York area ever experienced a hurricane before? And if so, where does Sandy rank severity-wise? Um, we've been hit before. We've had a few, like, sort of, you know, mild scrapes in recent years. The big one was back in 1938, which was a, Long Island, uh, a hurricane that swept through Long Island and, and did an awful lot of damage. Um, but, you know, this is obviously the first time we've had a hurricane that has hit um, with this severity, with this, you know, population of people. And, you know, it was, it was really the perfectly wrong moment because the, the, the wind and the rain didn't do an awful lot of damage. What, the big problem was that it hit a high tide at a full moon and just pushed a wall of water, you know, 8 to 10 feet up into every single coastal community. Um, and that's why we had the subways flooded and then some of them are still flooded. Um, and, uh, you know, tunnels and um, an awful lot of electrical equipment and, you know, basements of buildings and things like that and ground floors of buildings. How, how soon is subway service going to get restored there? Well, we've got a lot of it back. Um, there's a couple of lines um, that are still out because they're flooded, like, floor to ceiling, um, and nobody's sure. They said maybe by the end of the week. Um, the lines, though, that go out to the beaches, like uh, out to the Rockaways, they're saying possibly could be a month or so. I mean, it's it's really bad out there, um, you know. And there's there's no power, um, you know. The, the the lines are really just torn up from the storm surge because sort of we're just running along the along the bay there. Um, so it, it, you know, right now in a lot, I'd say you know, 95% of New York is back to semi-normal. The other yeah. 5% is a complete disaster. Well, with electricity cables being underground in most of New York, too, uh, is that being reflected? Or do you, is water down there, and you have to pump that out to get electricity back on to some places? Or? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one problem. You've got a whole lot of different things. Some, some areas, like the Rockways, do have cables above ground. Um, those got knocked over. Um, some places, you know, you had damage to the, the substations. So, I mean, that's what knocked out power in the bottom half of Manhattan for a long time. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes buildings, like uh, a specific building project, will have its, either its own generator or its own, like, electrical equipment connecting it to the grid, and that's out. Um, so you have places, I was out in Coney Island this weekend, and, you know, you'll have a little patchwork where, like, one building will have power but no heat. Or, yeah. And the next one will have nothing, and, you know, the next one will have, will have more. Um, and, you know, it's... It's getting really cold here. We're actually, you know, it got down below freezing last night, I believe, or close to it, and we're about to get another nor'easter uh, tomorrow. So it's becoming a real crisis of, you know, where people are going to go and how they're going to keep warm. Yeah, is the elephant in the room about Hurricane Sandy its relation to global climate change? Um, 
I, I, I don't know if it's even the elephant in the room anymore because people are talking <laughs> about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's true. The that people are finally seeing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's been all this debate about, you know, do we say climate change? Um, and, you know, there are three major factors that actually, um, you know, didn't create this storm, but let's say helped create the storm and helped make it the storm that it was. Um, you know, the, the Atlantic Ocean was, I think, five degrees warmer than usual at this time of year, which made it a more powerful storm. Um, you have the, uh, uh, because of Arctic warming, um, there's the jet stream, instead of sort of being walled off and zipping straight across the U.S., um, is sort of going up and down and, uh, and uh, you know, gave this hurricane this weird pattern where it sort of came up the coast and then got sucked back in. And, of course, because it's this time of year, it's this late, you, it then crashed into this other winter storm that you wouldn't normally see. So, you know, could it have happened without uh, climate change? It could have, but, you know, I think... The, the dice were rigged in favor of this by all the carbon we've been pumping into the atmosphere and continue to be. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're talking now in New York about, you know, trying to have some sort of floodgates or something like that to uh, stave off, uh, you know, flooding if there's something like this happens again. But, you know, the way the projections are, 20, 30, 50 years from now, no floodgates are going to be able to hold what we're going to be seeing. So I would hope that we would actually uh, prevent the climate from being completely destroyed by then. Um, but I guess that's a conversation that is going to happen a little more slowly than I had hoped. Yeah, with the floodgates, is there a way so the Army Corps of Engineers won't be involved with that? Because they created the OK Go, which is the, the like commercial shipping lane that no one uses that made Katrina way worse than it should have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of cringe when I hear them talking about floodgates because it would be something like $10 billion, and I'm sure if they said, say, $10 billion, it would really be $30 billion. And it would, you know, uh, guard the harbor, but it wouldn't be helping communities like Coney Island and the Rockaways, which are, you know, down along the shore of uh, Brooklyn and Queens, but, you know, geographically it's part of Long Island. Um, so it still wouldn't stop all these communities from being flooded. It would just stop Manhattan from being flooded, basically. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what you do. Um, I don't know how you you prepare a coastal city like New York or New Orleans or anywhere else that's along the shore um, from from uh, from global warming. You know, if the if the if the water level is going to be rising and you're going to be seeing more more and more extreme weather, which is what is predicted, um, you know, there's not a lot you can do to mitigate that. So. That's why I think the conversation needs to happen is avoiding <laughs> the, the warming in the first place. Yeah, so there's, I mean, if this is going to be a regular weather event for the Mid-Atlantic, New York really can't be protected very well from this type of storm then. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is the sort of thing that we're, that we're you, you can do small things to keep the subways from flooding as badly, um, but, you know, this this is the kind of thing we are going to see more and more of. If it's not New York, it'll be, you know, Miami, or it'll be Houston, or it'll be, you know, San Francisco, or, some, you know, something else. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a, a huge concern. I like, like I said, this is really the time to be talking about it now. You know, it's, people are saying, oh, this is finally the wake-up call. I thought Katrina was the wake-up call. Yeah, you, know? you would think. Um, but uh, I, guess, I guess the American people can't, can't, have too many wake-up calls when it's uh, their their SUVs that are at stake. Yeah, um, even but, though, uh, even even though no one's died yesterday or today, the 
I've been a Southern California resident all my life. To have it almost be 87 to 90 degrees yesterday and then rain on Thursday, that, that that's never happened in this late in November. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. you know, we saw all the fires this summer in Colorado. I mean, you know, there there's plenty of indication. I mean, I, when people talk to me about, uh, about uh, you know, the future of the Phoenix Coyotes or something like that, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, what, what's going to happen 30 years down the road if they find a new lease? And I'm like, do you really think that Phoenix is going to be habitable 30 years from now? <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, the last time we had a warming trend, the entire, you know, population of Native Americans, they're pretty much scattered because it was, it was, it was unlivable. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's something that really, really, really needs to get addressed now um, and nationally and globally. And I think people have been saying, I mean, look, People were saying, I remember reading last week before the hurricane, you know, these predictions from this uh, Columbia professor who's been saying for years, hey, by the way, you know, if we get a really big storm surge, the subways could completely flood and they could be out of commission for weeks. And everybody said, wow, you know, that's really terrible. Hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, I love the passive hope. That never happens and nothing ever gets done. Uh, what's your opinion of the federal response before and after the storm? Um, It's getting there um you know it's slowly gearing up it took fema a couple days to really you know set up camp i mean it's, it feels like it's sort of a big slow bureaucracy because it is um and you know it takes a few days to really get on the ground and and connect up with the local groups i mean i've seen there are a ton of local groups i have to say out there ranging from people from the city's uh, economic development corporation to like little um, local youth groups in Red Hook to a bunch of the uh, Occupy Wall Street people who have experience in like you know setting up outdoor kitchens on the spur of the moment um, are you know going out and trying to do that in various different areas so there's been a good response um, the problem is twofold one is you know in particular when I was out in Coney Island this weekend um, Coney Island, you know, there's sort of that central amusement district that people know with the Wonder Wheel and the, the Cyclone and things like that. About a mile and a half to the west of that is where all the housing projects are, where most of the people in, in Coney Island actually live. And the, uh, you know, FEMA and everybody else was sort of setting up staging areas at the um, Brooklyn Cyclones baseball stadium, which is right by the amusement district, not that close to where people live. So yeah. um, there was there was stuff there, but and people could go and walk to it. And I heard about stories about people dragging their shopping carts a mile down the street. Um, but if you're 70 years old and you live on the 10th floor of your building and you can't drag the shopping cart all the way down and all the way back up, that's a big problem. Um, so that's one. And then the other is just that, you know, there's this initial outpouring of people bringing canned goods and water and all that stuff. Um, but there's going to be an awful lot of needs uh, further down the road that hopefully will be met, and hopefully FEMA will meet a lot of those. But, you know, a lot of people have completely lost, if not all of their homes, they've lost, you know, all of their, say, you know, whatever was on their first floor, right? Yeah. Um, their bedroom upstairs might be fine, but their first floor is wiped out. Um, and uh, tons and tons of businesses that got flooded up to, you know, four, five, six feet just saying, you know, business owners just saying, okay, you know, even if we can stay here, we have to replace absolutely everything. We need a lot of money in order to do this. And that'll be the next test will be, you know, does the money flow quickly enough um, that some of these people can rebuild? And it kind of has to happen all at once because if the stores don't open, then 
even once the people in the high-rises get their power back on, they're not going to have anywhere to shop to go and buy groceries because, you know, they're going to have to travel for, you know, a long way. And again, you know, we're talking about a lot of folks who are, who are elderly, you know, a lot of folks who are, uh, you know, have, might have medical needs. Um, and it's going to be a huge problem if they don't rebuild both the housing and the, uh, the uh, sort of commercial uh, life of the area at the same time. Um, and then on top of that, we just don't know how many people are going to have to be relocated entirely. I mean, Mayor Bloomberg said on Sunday, oh, it could be 40,000 people. And then he kind of backed away from that and said, well, maybe 10 or 20,000, which is a little bit better. But, you know, New York City is not a place that has an awful lot of uh, available housing or available places to build housing. So I think everybody wants to avoid this turn into a FEMA trailer situation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's something that may have to be considered, uh, you know, again, depending on how bad the damage is and how long it'll take, especially to get heat back to some of these buildings. Electricity, they can, they can hook it back up. Um, but, you know, if the boiler room is completely flooded and shot um, and it's going to take a month or two to get that back online, you might be looking at having a couple months where people have to relocate and then, you know, you can't just stick them in a school gymnasium. Yeah, you wrote that you touched on it just then, but you wrote a great piece about how devastated the Coney Island area is. Currently, the residents of Coney Island don't have heat, hot water, electricity, and transportation since subway service dozen miles away, and private cars are, have been destroyed by water. How are they surviving since you know they can't really get to the amusement area since they do live far away from that? Well, since Saturday, I, I'm happy to say that some. Some supplies have started to get back into the actual area where people live. Um, you know, they started setting up some staging areas, and some private groups have uh, have gone in there and you know, bringing in supplies. Um, and you know, people do have you know, if their refrigerators went out and they lost all their perishables, they still have uh, have uh, you know, canned goods and other other uh, non-perishable stuff. I talked to one woman who said, "Yeah, my stove, the gas on my stove still works. Doesn't light itself by anymore because I still don't have electricity, but I can still get the gas on." So she was cooking. Um, so, you know, people are struggling by. People are having relatives come and bring them stuff. If they can, they, you know, go and are going and staying with relatives, you know, in areas that have power. Um, but it's, it's really bad, and it's, it's, you know, people can survive for a matter of days like that, but they yeah. probably can't for a matter of weeks. And that's why I think there's this big push, and I, I think it's good um, to, you know, get people out into the areas that have been hit. Um, and both try and set up you know, food distribution, but also sort of go up into apartments and say, okay, here we are on the 12th floor. Um, you know, what can we do for you? What do you need? Yeah. So I, hopefully there's more of that, but you know, unfortunately there isn't a really good infrastructure to do that. You know? Um, you know, the, the city government has downsized an awful lot in New York, and they don't have hordes of workers just you know, say, okay, we're going to pull you off your job and send you out into the housing project um, to go and talk to people. Yeah. Between FEMA aid and the insurance, how are victims of on the Coney Island area, how are both businesses and residents not going to be made whole after the storm? Uh, nobody has any clue at this point. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I have relatives out not in Coney Island, but in another shorefront area in, in uh, Brooklyn. Um, and they say, you know, FEMA's come out to talk to them, but, uh, you know, nobody knows what they're actually going to pay. And this is, you know... Uh, I think anybody who's been watching Treme <laughs> knows what went on in New Orleans for like you know years after the fact. Yeah. Um, and I think you know that's the like I said the hope and the fear is that 
you know, whatever FEMA does, it does it fairly quickly. Um, because people need to know how much money they're going to get and know what they're going to be able to do for repairs. And then, you know, it has to happen at a point where people still remember this enough that you can do fundraising to help a community if it needs help on, over on top of that. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're asking people to wait a year for their FEMA checks and then, um, you know, at that point you have to do fundraising to supplement it, people will be like, you know, on to whatever the next cli- climate catastrophe is in some other city at that point. We'll yeah. talk about Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, the, the reason I asked was Manny Cohen, the, the owner of the arcades and video game cell shop that you interviewed, he he mm-hmm. says he estimated loss of uh, three hundred grand and of equipment, and he says he's finished, and they're not going to give him kind of, that kind of money. Why not? I, I, you know, that's how he feels. I mean, hopefully, he can actually file a claim and show. I mean, he he's like actually selling um, arcade games, you know, so these like big stand-up, you know, Pac-Man style games. Uh-huh. And I was in there, and you know, he had tons of them that just got soaked, and you know, like. CPU boards, and so he had a lot of expensive equipment in there. Yeah. Um, and his, you know, his value of his place was all in his inventory. So hopefully he can document all that. Hopefully he can get uh, get made whole and fairly quickly. Um, but you know, I think at this point everybody is just in shock and is like, you know, there needs to be a a massive amount of money to to uh, get these people back on their feet, or they're probably just going to start closing up shop. Yeah, yeah. In the aftermath of the storm, do you think Coney Island will get an underground electrical grid like most of New York? Oh, it's really hard to do anything underground in Coney Island. There's a reason why it's called Coney Island. It's, you know, basically a strip of sand. Oh, okay. Um, and, 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 and there is some underground, underground uh, uh, grid there. Um, but, you know, Coney Island doesn't have good sewers. Coney Island doesn't have anything good that's underground because, you know, the water table is about, like, two feet down. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's a problem um and i think you know everybody's gonna be looking at what can we do for the infrastructure but again the problem is there's a lot of stuff that's built out that is you know right in a flood zone and you know there's not much you can do about that my question i'm raising is and i raised before this is uh does it still make sense to target coney island for redevelopment with a lot of you know big condo towers which is what the city's official policy has been and I don't know if that makes so much sense when it's an area that is going to, uh, you know, potentially be flooded again and again. Yeah, yeah. What are, I'm going to leave off with this one. Uh, what are some of the stories post-storm that aren't getting enough press coverage in the mainstream press? Um, I think in general, just the the number of people who are who are without power and who I mean, we, it, again, it's starting to get a little bit better, um, but the. Um, you know, there's a lot of different areas. You know, some, some people will focus on just the Rockaways or just Coney Island or just Lower Manhattan. Um, but sort of making people realize how many different areas are affected and making people realize what the challenges are in terms of getting the aid there. Um, you know, I've had lots of people ask me, who can I give money to and how will it help? And it's like, it's not necessarily as simple as that. You know, there's a lot of people gearing up to provide help. But right now, a lot of what's needed is finding a way to coordinate all the volunteers and train them in terms of what they need to do and finding a way to getting the goods to where, where people need to go. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see more focus on that, and hopefully we will over the next week or two. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us for an extra segment. Uh, my guest has been Neil DeMoss, regularly doing Field of Schemes with uh, just stadium deals, but since he's from New York and he's been writing about Hurricane Sandy, we felt like I should hold him over one segment. Thanks for joining the show. Okay, talk to you next week. All right, this is the Heather McCoy Show.